This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. You're listening to Ringgit and Sense and I'm Wong Xiaoning. We are increasingly hearing the term private equity in Malaysia on the back of successful listings like Mr. DIY and the expansion of big supermarket chain. But what is this alternate asset class and how does it differ from terms like venture capital? And are these investments available for all? Questions we pose to Ong Saikit. He is the founder and director of Artem Ventures, a venture capital management corporation which is registered with the Securities Commission. He is also currently chairman of the Malaysian Venture Capital and Private Equity Association. Good morning, Saikit. Thank you for coming in. I think we, we just start at the very beginning. What exactly is private equity? I mean, what does it invest in? How does it work? You know, private equity is um, just a type of investment involves in, in investing in and um, managing company of or group of companies that are privately held right so so typically there are two types pe is a wider definition right but in our sector we kind of classify them into two private equity and venture capital mm. these two are also within the umbrella of private equity for instance mr diy is actually invested by pe firms and pe firms typically invest and control the the company and from there, they grow. And after that, the exit usually is either trade sale or IPO. Mm. VCs, in a way, is also uh, investing in privately held company, but we go in at the very early stage of the company, right? And uh, typically, we don't, we don't control. We are just a minority shareholder. Okay. Yeah. But sometimes when it comes to PE firms, don't mm. they let the owners or the founders manage the firm? And then they, it's done in conjunction? Well, for PE, yes, it's somewhere in between, mm. right? Um, depending on the conversation and the deal, how it's being structured, right? PE firms can go in, work together with the founders, and they continue, right? But then, then again, you know, there's still a whole majority of the company, right? But there are also cases where founders are looking to exit. Mm. Then PE firms will basically hire their own uh, operation team, uh, including CEO, and get parachute into the company, and then from there it continues. Okay, yeah. um, what value do they bring actually? What's what's so good about a PE firm? What difference do they do they make to a company? Well, I, I suppose the most of the narrative is to look into um, areas of uh, improvements. Normally, the lower hanging fruits, right, are the cost cutting, right? <laughs> how how do you rationalize the operation of the company? And of course, um, taking into account of the network that they have, then they could actually help the company to expand, right? For instance, uh, maybe T-Life. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Loop Holdings, which is apparently yeah, going for yes. listing soon. Credo actually helped them a lot in terms of penetrating uh, other other markets, especially Philippines, mm. right? So so I think... Uh, a fact it, confirmed by Brian Lu on The Breakfast Grill. Yep, yep. So so um, I guess that's, that's one of the areas. But... Um, what I also notice these days is that, you know, there is this big push about IR 4.0. So therefore, you know, uh, a typical playbook could also be PE firm coming in and then they will try to inject all the automation, mm. uh, AI, right? And, and see how they can actually leverage on all this technology to achieve uh, productivity 
enhancement and even you know uh, basically making sure that the supply chain is is very intact okay right? yeah. and would you say sometimes they also provide the funding these PE funds because oh, you know it's it's an alternative to the definitely. traditional banking loan right definitely definitely I think the mix is um, it's very common to see uh, for PE right when they come in they're looking at a combination of uh, in in our lingo old money new money <laughs> right so so they'll they'll use part of the uh, proceed to buy out uh, the stake from the founders in terms of PE mm. right but at the same time they will also inject yeah growth capital into the business right because you know ultimately they also need to make sure that once they're in Right in two three years time because uh, PE invests in the shorter horizon, right in within three to five years max, they have to get out. So then, what what kind of value add other than just you know network that they provide mm. the injection of IT also requires uh, capital. Yes. So all these will, will go into the mix. Okay. Whereas uh, we see similar narrative, right? Go in network. Uh, because these are typically early stage founders, some of them might not have a very um, deep experience in terms of operation, and therefore then will will be partly their sounding board, um, a colleague in terms of their strategy, maybe a mentor, in mentor some ways. to some extent is an extended version of their HR, right? <laughs> because we also need to help them to go around and say, okay, what's your requirement, and then within within our network, we'll ask around and say, okay, who. Who can we actually help to recruit? Yeah, based on the certain profile of people that they need. Okay, we'll come uh, back to talk about PE funds in detail. But I want to know how e you know how easy is it for someone to even consider to start thinking about private equity as an alternative investment? Is it open to everyone? Should you know what are the, what is the criteria? Because increasingly we have commentators on on the ringgit and sense who suggest it as an investment. But I understand it's not as simple as buying unit trusts, right? Or even oh, definitely equities. Not. Definitely not. I think, you know, in, in the context of Malaysia, um, the type of investors that a PE fund could work with are all well-defined, right? Mm. It's not for everyone. We call them sophisticated investors, right? So typically, there are two, two broad groups. Uh, one is the institutional investors, right? Whereby... The, the likes of banks, unit trusts and all that. Because Even our national sovereign funds also, right? Definitely, yeah. yeah. So, so and uh, coming down within that classification, you also have the corporates. Yeah, corporates that has got a net, net asset of more than 10 million. That's the definition. So if you are belonging to that uh, category, yes, you know, you are part of the sophisticated investors. Whereas individuals, then we are talking about high net worth, mm. right? High net worth uh, in... In summary, we are talking about individual who has got net asset of more than uh, three million. Is this regulated by? Security? It's all defined within. Uh, yeah, by security. Securities Commission. Yes, yes. Okay. As a pr- practitioner, PE or VC, mm. we cannot market it to retail. And y'all are all licensed. All PE funds in Malaysia. Well, are um, I think in PE VC we are registered. Okay. Under the guidelines, we are not licensed. Okay. When when it's licensed, then there are a lot more compliance. So, so it's more like. You know, self-regulated mm. within the com- confine of certain guidelines, right? So back to the question, sophisticated investors, uh, high net worth, high net worth individuals, we are talking about uh, net asset of more than 3 million or someone who has got a gross income, mm. gross annual income of more than uh, 300,000 a year. Mm. If you have a spouse, then combine mm. husband and wife, right? Uh, combine gross income of uh, more than 400 a year, 400,000 a year. 
these products are not available like a unit trust, you know. I mean, you, it's so how it's, do you go about if you're interested? If this is a something yeah. you think okay, I meet the criteria, yep. I want to consider it. Where yeah. do I go and buy it? Well, or where do I find out more? <laughs> I guess I guess that's that's the job of uh, us at the association as well. You know, we need to actually come out a lot more frequently, just like. This conversation, this <laughs> yeah, to to tell them that yes, there's this alternative uh, investment available in the market. I think you know writing to to MVCA Association is one, right? Um, occasionally, we also will be out in the public, you know, uh, conducting events or whatnot, uh, whereby our profile will be there. Okay. I guess you know for for general public who are interested, just to find out before you even go through the gate of okay, are you a, a sophisticated investor or not? Well, just come in and, and have a chat with us, right? Um, well, I think it's not difficult to find. Mm. Even within the SC uh, website itself, right, there are actually lists of uh, VCPE uh, firms registered with the Securities Commission. Mm. And uh, from there, just one more step. Check okay. out their website or even social media and see whether they are active or not. Okay, but how do you know which, which PE fund or mm. firm is the right investment for me? Considering what you say, there's risk involved. This is a high-risk yes. investment. Yes, I guess uh, PE fund or VC funds, right? Typically, we operate like a fund setup. It's a closed end fund. Mm. Closed end fund meaning once you're in, right, you, there's no liquidity. Typically, the investment horizon for PE funds is about three to five years. You know, VC is a bit longer because we deal with very early stage companies. It's very common to see seven or even ten years mm. of horizon. So in that case, you know, I think um, well for for any investors. We we just have to bear in mind that your investment horizon is is pretty long, and by by close end fund it means there is no no such thing as like uh, unitrust or even hedge fund where you you can go in and redeem. And right. you sell it back to the company, right? This well, in this case, no. No. No, no. Typically, once you're in, okay, you're in for the long ride. Okay, so yeah. that's one of the major risks, right? One of the risks. Liquidity. Uh, liquidity yeah. is a risk. Mm. And of course, mm. there's also investment risk, as in the company that the PE firm invests yes. in. And I'm sure there's sometimes more than one company might yeah. not might not do well, might close. Oh, yeah. I think, um, well, speaking from the VC perspective, mm. because I, I spend a lot more time there, right? Yeah, definitely. The failure rate is pretty high. Depending on the type of uh, because companies. we only hear the success stories yeah. usually. No, no one talks about failure, right? So, so I can tell you, you know, if you are talking about general uh, statistics, yeah, we are we, it can be as high as eighty percent failure. So let's just say you know ten that we invest in, mm. right? Eight of them will be will be gone. Okay. Yeah, but um, that that is a very um, um, what you call worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. So depending on the investment thesis, right? So therefore, you know, for, for anyone who is uh, interested, it's really good to actually have that conversation and say, okay, what kind of fund is available now, right? Because we, we, we typically will open a fund mm. and then allowing ourselves maybe 12 to 18 months, right? During, during the process, we'll close. Mm. Once we, we close it, then, then we will not raise anymore. It's, just not, it's not like a unit trust where... You can open-ended. always go in open-ended, okay. right? So, so, so. Therefore, you know, at that moment when you decided, then you have to really scan around and see oh, which are the firms that are running and uh, fundraising for for what fund and then what kind of thesis, mm. what kind of sector they are they are investing. Do your due diligence yeah. and be comfortable with the manager. Yes, yes, a lot of conversation needed, 
right? Hence, uh, part of the time during our fundraising is to basically tell them what what are we doing, mm. what kind of thesis, what kind of uh, companies that we are we are we have access to, and look at their track record. Track record, yes. On Ringgit and Sense today, we're exploring one asset class in detail, private equity. Joining us is Ng Saikit. He is the chairman of the Malaysia Venture Capital and Private Equity Association. After the break, how do private equity funds structure their investments? BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Ringgit and Sense, where we're speaking to Ng Saikit, founder and director of Artem Ventures. Uh, he is also currently the chairman of the Malaysia Venture Capital and Private Equity Association. Before the break, why private equity is considered an alternative asset class and maybe not suitable for everybody. So we've we discussed in detail, you know, the 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 risks and in a way the reward of private equity. Well, not really clearly in terms of rewards. So tell me, what's the good news? Uh, you said that eight out of ten companies could go bust, but if you do well, is there a range of returns we could, you a person could possibly get from a from investing in a PE? Okay, fine. <laughs> let, okay. let me go through on a broader sense. Yeah, right? uh, um, average. Uh, on average. I think is you know, in, in most of our uh, fundraising documentation, mm. yeah, um, some call it information memorandum, some call it private placement memorandum. Always read it, get your hands on it. Yeah, get your hands on it. And uh, within that, you probably will see, you know, what is the expected return, right? What I personally have seen are... But these are not... Guaranteed, not right? guaranteed. Expected. That's why we say, right? Um. So so, it's pretty common to see somewhere between two to three times times of your okay. investment, mm. right? And uh, if you translate that into uh internal rate of return for your fund horizon, right? They're about twenty to thirty percent in that range, right? So so then if you're talking talking about you know, let let's set aside all the failures, yeah, on the portfolio <laughs> level, right? It could be somewhere in between, you know, one one and a half times, which is not very exciting, mm. right? To the to um yeah um twenty thirty x okay it, it, yeah it can it can right um but then again you know depending on what kind of measurement so a lot of times when when uh, uh, I think for general public please understand when we talk about multiples, right, mm. there are differences in terms of, okay, you know, whether these are realized, meaning is really the, 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 the multiple that you realize by selling the company and cash in hand. Mm. or so net realized. Yeah, or at the interim when, when, when uh, we do the measurement, and uh, are we talking about just merely the book gains? Okay. Right. So, so there are differences, right? Um, I think we just have to go through the, the process of understanding what are we talking about here. So there's some complications yeah. involved in the, like I say, due D counts a lot, right? Yeah. Understanding what kind of matrix are we talking about, right? Mm. Um, well, for one example, in some years back, uh, we, we talk about one fund that has been t- marketing themselves as, oh, I on a fund average, I've got 5x. But then at the end of the day, when you talk about 5x, it's only one company within the entire portfolio that delivers the results. Mm. And that 5x is still unrealized, right? So yes, it's respectable matrix. But at the end of the day, you know, nothing nothing means, uh, I rephrase it, you know, we, we probably have to look at you know, when, how, 
when are we going to get the, the money in hand? Which then begs the question, how is a PE firm or fund structured? There wouldn't be just one investment, right? There will yep. be usually, there will be some measure of diversification. Mm. And I, I suppose some PE funds specialise in certain sectors. Some can be general, some can be geographical driven. Yeah. Is that so pick carefully, choose what you're comfortable with? Precisely. You're, you're, you're right. You know, um, normally we talk about sector, Mm. Right. And uh, then, you know, a typical fund will actually have their investment thesis. That's what we call, right? Investment thesis will also talk about generally a couple of things. Number one, like what you say, geographical. Some are regional, some is Malaysia, some is even Europe, US or, or Asia, Pac, X, Japan, you know, depending on what, what the fund managers are doing. Secondly, is to look into, you know, uh, the, the stage of the funding, right? Mm-hmm. So, so in, in the VC world, you have the seed stage, which is predominantly the, the very early stage company. Then after that, okay, Series A fund or growth stage, then you're talking about B, C, D, you know, and, and beyond. Mm. Uh, then, of course, uh, uh, PE funds, right? So, so that's, that's another one, right? Um, I suppose at the end of the day, there is also another variation yeah, within it, right? So because... VC or VC fund or even PE fund, they could actually come into the market and 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 structure themselves as a venture debt mm. provider. So so that it means right whatever that they're investing into, right, typically will not take an equity from the company, but it's more like a, a loan, right, that is investing into a high risk company. And uh, how do they kind of balance their risk and reward? Typically, number one, the interest will be generally higher than mm. your typical bank. At the same time, it's very common to see some equity kicker like warrants, right? Mm. And uh, it's normally expressed as a percentage of the, the principal that they lend to you. And uh, that principal, that percentage will give them the rights to instruct the company to issue new shares as and when they need within a certain period. So yeah. it gets more and more complicated in some measure. <laughs> uh, but I want to know, Sakit, how, how does a private equity fund manager make money? I mean, how, what's the fee structure like for private equity? Is it, you know, unit trust, you've got a front-end sales charge and then you've got an annual management fee. Is it very different in private equity? Uh, a little bit different because uh, unit trust in, in Malaysia typically will take a, a chunk of the, the principal upfront, right? Then over time, you have a 0.5, you mm. know, pretty common. For us, it's more like an annual basis. You know, we typically uh, earn money from management fees, right? And then there's also this this thing called performance bonus or in our lingo, carry interest, right? How it works is that, um, well, we are managing a fund. Once we invest and if we, if we return profit, capital gain, out of the capital gain, right, we do have a ratio that we will split. Very common structure is 2% management fee and a 20% carry interest, meaning uh, the performance bonus will be wow. 20%. Okay. Right? If we if we deliver the capital gain. And there would be a hurdle rate for you, a specified hurdle rate. Yeah. It depends on the funds. Uh, PE funds normally, uh, because of the risk, are generally lower. Because, um, PE fund normally invest into profit-making company. So so the matrix and, and the valuation uh, challenges are a bit lower, right? So... For for VC, um, yeah, I think it's somewhere in between, right? Um, some some funds will not have hurdle rate. Mm. Some funds will have, 
right? When when how hurdle rate comes is basically it, it will affect the carry interest distribution. Meaning, we will deliver capital gain and up to a certain level of IRR internal rate of return. Okay. Beyond that, only we get to split between the investors and the fund manager. Okay, so. Yeah. Read between read all the fine print because it will yeah. be in the info, it's, it's info in memo. The, it's in the terms. Okay, right. and uh, just so that our listeners have an idea, well, how vibrant is the PE scene here in Malaysia? Um, are they is it robust? Is it competitive? Are there many players? Well, um, let me talk a little bit in in general, right? Um, well, in terms of the the uh, fund management sector, PE VC combined. They still represent a very small fraction of the Malaysia uh, fund management system, right? Mm. So, I think there are generally two types of allocator. One is the typical unit trust. You know, within those funds, they do have a bit of a mandate, a small, small uh, allocation within a fund to invest into private equity as well, right? But for PEVC, uh, we actually manage a separate set of funds. From the last uh, um, Securities Commission and report, more or less, we are talking about. Um, maybe just a single percentage of the entire market. But then again, you know, uh, we should not ignore this because, you know, this is where the capital is going to be a lot smarter, mm. right? Because we are investing into the next generation technology, uh, something, a solution that is going to revolutionize, you know, a typical industry. Um, and nowadays, you, you hear a lot more in terms of the impact uh, a lot more uh, ESG focused kind of investment thesis. Generally, you know, the heavy lifting has to happen at the early stage, mm. and that's where the risk capital need to work a lot harder. I'm going to ask you about whether capital exactly that whether capital has got to work a lot harder because of the environment, the external macro environment, right? Mm. I know there's as much uh, Bain says Bain and Co says there's as much as US. Th- US dollar 3.7 trillion in dry powder among PE funds globally, but interest rates are record high. The economic outlook is a little bit more dim. So really, how tough is the current PE market now? Are there fewer companies to invest in? And is your hurdle then also higher because interest rates are higher? I think generally, uh, uh, what's happening now is that, you know, in the past half a year, um, Markedly, you will notice that the, the, the transaction volume and value has dropped significantly yes. across the board, right? I think most people are just watching where the interest rate is going to be. And there's some sense of uh, confidence coming in. Yes, we are not talking about, yes, are we over the... The, the, the tightening the cycle. Tight, yeah, not yet. But I think most indicators are looking at, okay, maybe it's about time. Uh, things are a bit more predictable. The dry powder is there. It has to be deployed, mm. right? Why hasn't hasn't it happened yet? It's just that, you know, people are just waiting on the sideline and say, okay, right, are we still going to face a lot of storm and, and, and volatility, right? Mm. So so I think it's looking okay. Yeah, but um, we just have to continue trade with, with uh, a bit more cautious. On that note, thank you for your time. I'm Ringgit and since this morning was Ng Saikit. He is the chairman of the Malaysia Venture Capital and Private Equity Association. I'm Wong Shaoning, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.